this is Baptism Week Sunday, and we're so excited about this. This is our first actual baptism that we've done as a church, and so we had to get everything figured out, and you'll see that we've got this big, gigantic blow-up pool, a jacuzzi here, and no, we're not going to turn the bubbles on, and no, we're not going to keep going. And It's pretty funny because all the different churches that I've served in, since having children and everything, we've always had the baptism, and I'm the one getting it all ready, and so I always had Andrew come and help me. So even as a little bitty, like, three-year-old, he would go in there, and he would swim in the, in the big jacuzzi. It was much bigger. I mean, honestly, the last church, we were, the big church we were at, the jacuzzi was about as big as the stage. And so he would dive in there, and he'd swim in there. He'd stay for hours in there, and then he'd swim down to the bottom, pull the plug out, and we would do it. So I, I made Andrew come out here with me yesterday, and we tried it out because I'm like, uh, Jesse's not that small of a guy, and I don't want, you know, I don't want this. He's like, you're going to make my head hit on the back of this. No, 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 it's not busy there anyway. It's, it's going to be all right. So I tra- practiced on Andrew last night, and we splashed a lot of water all around here, and um, it's going to be great. But this is our first time, and I'm so excited about it. But as, as I'm looking at all that stuff, I wanted us to actually look at the Scripture, and why do we baptize? Because you, you can say, well, you know, why is it we really doing that? Why, this is what we're doing this Sunday, but why is it we even need to do that? And, and really, the simple version of that and we've got some other people that are wanting to do it, but they're scared to do it. And so this is kind of kind of break the ice and just kind of lead them in that direction. And you may, in the course of this time, you may start feeling, oh my gosh, I need to do it next time. And we're going to put that set up, um, the sign up on there really soon. So you can go and maybe think about, now that we got this, I mean, we can put this up anytime we want to. And it only takes 24 hours to heat it up to a nice 93 degrees. So we're not freezing in there. But I want us to look at the scriptures in the Bible. So if you'll turn your Bible, and it's going to be on the screen here, to Acts chapter 8, starting in verse 29. The Holy Spirit said to Philip, go over and walk beside the carriage. So he's sitting here, and he sees a carriage going. So we don't really have the same connotation today because, you know, we're driving in a car, and there's a car right next to us. We're not going to get out and go, hey, what's going on? But, you know, it's a different time back then where they're walking, and they can see something. So... God drew Philip's attention to this carriage. So he ran over there. I love this. Verse 30. He ran over there. Can't you see him go? He's trying to catch up to that carriage. And he heard the man reading from the prophet Isaiah. So the guy's in the carriage. And he's reading from the Old Testament, the prophet of Isaiah. And Philip said, do you understand what you're reading? And the man replied, how can I unless someone instructs me? And I just want to stop right there because so much of what we see as church, you know, people can read the Bible, they can hear the Bible, they've heard so many misconstructions, it's all been discombobulated in it, and and, and they read it like, but do you understand what it means? And that's the whole purpose of church, but on the one-on-one, when you're there and you're talking to somebody, how can I unless somebody tells me what it all means? And he urged Philip to come up into the carriage and sit with him. And, and even last night, I was driving, um, just low-key, had some stuff. I wasn't going to be able to work all night long. And someone says, hey, come. Can you sit and talk to my boyfriend just for a few minutes? Ten minutes. Just ten minutes top. It was two and a half hours. The, you know, I sat there. So I climbed up in the carriage with this guy, and we just started talking about the goodness of God back and forth. And, and I see that happens to us a lot. But how can I unless someone encourages me? So he continues on. So the beginning of the scripture is the same, Philip told him, the good news about Jesus. 
He, he just started telling the whole story about Jesus, and I'm jumping out a lot of this so we can get through a couple of these different stories. And as they rode along, they came upon some water. So they're just driving along. Philip's told the guy about Jesus. He's told him about the whole story about Jesus coming, being you know, crucified and now rosen from the dead and this whole thing. And now you've got to be born and get, um, be baptized. And as they're driving by, all oh, lo and behold, there's some water over here. And he goes, hey, why can't I just be baptized right now, he says. So he ordered the carriage to stop, and they went down into the water, and Philip baptized him. Now, one thing I want you to see is that it's not something that should be drawn out a long time. It should not be, hey, I accepted Christ, and I'm going to take forever before I take the next step and follow in baptism. But even in this scenario, he got the words. Philip is in there encouraging him, instructing him, and then the next thing he does is, hey, look, there's a pond right there. Can we do it right here? Boom, they jumped out there. And they did it. Two weeks ago, we saw the story of Paul and Silas. And I'm not going to re-preach that whole thing, though I could. But we saw that they're in jail. They're in prison. They've been beaten so badly. And God does this miracle. I go back and listen to it. It's a crazy story. And, and the, the jailer gets saved. He comes. We pick it up in um, Acts chapter 16, verse 30. He comes to them and he says this crazy thing. And again, I'm jumping in the middle of the story, but I'm, I'm pointing to this point of it, not the whole story. Um, then he brought them out of their jail cell. And he says, sirs, what must I do to be saved? The jailer's asking them, hey, what is it I have to do to be saved? And so they shared the word of the Lord with him and everybody who lived in his household. And even at that hour, in the middle of the night, like three o'clock in the morning, when I'm up and working all the time, the jailer cared for them, washed their wounds, and immediately he and his household were immediately baptized. Now think about it. They're in this jail. He's the warden. He's the prison director. And this crazy thing happens, and they get saved. Their lives are turned upside down, and they immediately were baptized. They didn't say, hey, well, next month we'll come back, or why don't you come down to the church, because in three weeks we're going to be having a baptism service. And he says, no, right now. So more than likely, they just got a big tub, or they got, you know, they didn't have bathtubs back then, but they got something. They figured out a way to dunk them. So our focus isn't on how big our little portable jacuzzi is. Okay, some of them that I baptized in, you're standing up to this much water. It's pretty easy. You don't have to move very much. You get them down. This one, you're going to have to, just going to have to sit down, you know, and they're saying, we're going to go back. But it's not about all the semantics. It's not about how pretty it is. It's about following in obedience to God's word. See, when you make that public declaration and we have that prayer available to you at the end, and we're going to say, hey, do you want to say this prayer? Is today your day? That's private. We don't have you come up to the front. We don't have you come up and make this big, you know, everybody's looking at you and you feel so, you know, nervous and so self-conscious and all this stuff. Man, that is a private moment. But there is a time for a public declaration of I've made the decision. I'm going to follow Jesus. And that, we believe, is baptism. So you'll hear me in a moment. When we get in there, I'm going to say, have you accepted Jesus as your Savior? And you're going to hear them, if everything goes well, they're going to say yes. And then I'm going to say, by the power of given to me, I'm baptizing you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. You're buried with Christ in baptism, raised to walk in newness of life. And it's that simple. That very hour, they were immediately baptized. Another story in Acts chapter 10. In Caesarea, there lived a Roman 
army officer named Cornelius, who was the captain of the Italian regiment. He was a devout, God-fearing man, as was everyone in his household. And he gave generously to the poor and prayed regularly to God. Now, there, I, I'm not going to try and read too much into this, but I want to I point out some things. He was devout, God-fearing. He knew all about God from what we read in this text. And he told, he made sure everybody in his household knew about God. And he even knew the principles of God that you're supposed to give. And he gave generously to the poor. And he, he prayed regularly. And, and can I tell you, you can give generously to the poor. You can pray regularly. You can, you can fear God. And you still don't have a personal relationship with Jesus. I talked to somebody a couple of weeks ago and they're like, I, I just don't, you know, I pray every day, but that's it. I'm like, there's more to a relationship than just prayer. Prayer's great. I'm not minimizing that, but there's more to having a personal relationship than just praying. Last night I came home a little bit early and I was able to go and sit on the porch with my wife at 1.30 in the morning and we're just sitting out there holding hands and the winds are blowing crazy stuff. You know, we're just able to catch up. I have a personal relationship with my wife. She has one with me. She knows what's going on in my life. I know what's going on in her life. We're able to share. See, it's not just one thing of just one way. He was devout. He was very, very serious about this, but how will he know unless someone tells him? One afternoon, about three o'clock, he had a vision, verse three, in which he saw an angel of God coming towards him. And it says, Cornelius. Cornelius stared at him in terror. Can you imagine if you see an angel coming towards you? You're like, oh, what's going on? He goes, what is it, sir? And the angel replied, your prayers and gifts to the poor have been received by God. I just want to point that out to you. Isn't that amazing? His prayers and his gifts, his giving. See, he was doing all the right things. He was taking all those steps, and God received them. But he still didn't, I believe, had a personal relationship. But God says, hey, because you're walking in obedience to these other things, I'm going to send you the ultimate answer. Another person that I had um, last week says, you know, I just believe that, you know, there is no God, and I believe when I die, I turn into fairy dust, and I'm just going to go back into the galaxy. I'm like, whoa, that's pretty crazy. And I said, but you know, there's a law of gravity that God created and sat there. You say, I believe in it all day and every day you want to, but go step out on that second story and say, I don't believe it and see what happens. Well, what happens when you get to heaven and you think it's going to be fairy dust and, and, and the Bible's actually true. You see, he knew the things that he's supposed to be doing and he's doing those things and God says, man, I'm going to jump in here because your prayers and gifts have been received. Now, verse five, send some men to Joppa and summons a man named Simon Peter. He's staying with Simon, a tanner who lives near the shoreside, seashore. And as soon as the angel was gone, Cornelius called two of his household servants and a devout so soldier. One of them was his personal attendants. He told them what happened and sent them off to Joppa. I know this is kind of a storyline, but just follow along with me. Verse 9. The next day, as Cornelius' messengers were nearing the town, it took him a while to get there, Peter, the apostle Peter, went up on the flat roof to pray. This was his time to go up and pray. He had this structure of knowing that he's going to pray and having that regimen and that discipline to pray. And he's going up to pray. And he was hungry. And while a meal was being prepared, he's up there praying, but he fell into a trance. In other words, he, God starts showing him a dream, a vision of this thing. And you can go read the whole story. I'm not going to take the whole time to read the whole story. But he sees like a sheep being dropped down in the four corners. And all these animals are in there. And he heard the voice of God said, take and eat these animals. 
one of my favorite scriptures in the, in the whole Bible. You've got to eat some animals because I like some steaks. But anyway, that, I'm, I'm digressing. And, and he goes, but those things that you're showing me aren't clean. And I can't do that because I, I was raised this way. God says, well, if, if I called it to you to be clean, how can you call it unclean? If I tell you to do this, how can you say I can't because that's going to make me unclean? And they have this argument. In verse 15, it comes up. But the voice said again to him, which is God speaking to him, do not call something unclean if God has made it clean. And the same vision was repeated three times, and the sheet was suddenly pulled up into heaven. So Peter's just up there to pray. He sees this vision, and it comes three different times. He doesn't know what's going on. And then all of a sudden, as he's perplexed, it says in verse 17, that just then the men of Cornelius found Simon's house, standing at the gate. They asked if there was a man named Simon Peter staying there. Now, can you imagine? The angel appeared to Cornelius. He sent his embassy people to go, um, emissaries, that's the word I'm looking for, to go and find Peter. They take a day to get there. They're walking. They pull up there. Right as they're walking up to Peter's house, God gave Peter a vision of this whole thing of unclean and all this stuff. And Peter's sitting there going, what in the world? And here's a knock on the door. Verse 20, get up, go downstairs, and go with them. And don't worry, for I have sent them. So Peter goes along with them, and he's scratching his head because none of this makes sense. Uh, I shouldn't even be with these people. I shouldn't be hanging around them because that's going to make me unclean and all this stuff. In verse 24, they arrived in Caesarea the following day. So it now took him another day to get there. And can you imagine that, that pondering that Peter's going through? He's like, man, this, I don't understand all this stuff. I mean, I hung with Jesus. We we're like best friends, and he never did any of this stuff. This just doesn't make any sense. Verse 25, as Peter entered his house, Cornelius fell at his feet and worshiped him. I mean, this is quite a story. For Cornelius, who doesn't, I believe, know that much about God, he's fearing God, he's, he's doing all the right things, but he doesn't really have all the, the dots connected. He hasn't crossed all of his T's and he got all this stuff. So when this whole thing is people find Simon Peter and bring him back and he's standing there, he just drops to his knees and he's worshiping him as if he was the answer. But Peter, verse 26, pulled him up and said, stand up, I'm a human being just like you. Like, don't worship me. I'm not the guy you should be worshiping. So they talked together, verse 27, and went inside, and many others were assembled. Now you see, in verse 24 it said, he called together his relatives and his close friends. So he's like, man, I don't really know what's going to happen. This is kind of crazy what's going on to me, but this guy's on his way back. I don't know when he's going to get here. They didn't have cell phones. Like, hey, we're like 15 minutes out. We'll be there in just a few minutes. I mean, he just knows they're coming back by faith. And many other people were assembled, verse 27. And Peter told them, he now starts talking about, you know it's against our laws as a Jewish man to even enter a Gentile's home like this. He's like, man, I'm breaking the law just by being here. Or even to associate with you. But God has shown me that I should no longer think of anyone as impure or clean. Man, that jumped out at me. God has revealed to me through this dream and showed this that I should no longer think of anyone, anyone as impure and clean. Can I tell you, that's the same thing today. We can't look over that person and say, oh no, you're, you stay over there. 
No, we can't say anyone, no matter what they're doing, what they've done, what their past is, what anything, nothing, God has shown me. No longer think of anyone as impure and clean. Verse 29, so I came without objection as soon as I was sent for. Now tell me why you sent for me. So we're like, hey, this is what we're trying to figure out. You know, I, I know about God, and I'm, I'm giving to the poor, and, and, I, and I'm doing these things, and, and, and my whole household, they're, we're, we're doing the best we can, but how can we know unless somebody tells us? Verse 34, Peter says, I see very clearly that God shows no favoritism. Again, I'm telling you, that's still the same today. God shows no favoritism. In every nation, he accepts those who fear him and do what is right. Now, this is the message of good news for the people of Israel. There's peace with God through Jesus Christ, who is Lord of all. The person I was talking to last night, we just clicked so well. And you're going to meet him very soon, I believe. And we're just talking. It's like, man, I really, I, I had this revelation of who Jesus is. And the revelation of all the other religions and how they're thinking differently. He goes, man, I love to talk to someone that's a Muslim. I'd love to talk to someone who's Hindu. Because I got the answer to say, hey, listen, you believe the Old Testament just like I do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We believe in the Old Testament. You, you just kind of break off of the... Um, Isaac and Ishmael thing. You kind of go your own direction over here. But there, there's this whole thing in the entire Old Testament that God requires a sacrifice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's in the thing. But, but you don't believe Jesus is that sacrifice. No, 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 no. Jesus is just a prophet. He goes, well, if you're bound by the Old Testament like I am, and I read in this whole thing, God's requiring a sacrifice, where's your sacrifice? I, I saw you sinning yesterday. I was right there and observed the whole thing. So where's your sacrifice? And they're like, oh, oh, oh. He's like, but you see, for me, Jesus is that sacrifice. He is that permanent sacrifice for me. And, and he goes on to tell them that. I love that we have a great message. Verse 44. Even as Peter was saying these things, the Holy Spirit fell upon all those who were listening. So God just comes in like a flood and just like, and just like he's showing up in this amazing way. And even the Jewish believers, verse 45, that it came with Peter, were amazed that the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out on the Gentiles too. So Peter brought some people with him, and they're sitting there scratching their head too and going, God shows up here, and he, he's moving in, in, the, in this way. And can I tell you, I've been in some places that I just can't believe God shows up. I've been in some places I can't believe God is in that place, and he still shows up. And like, this is the same spirit that I feel in church. How is this even possible? Verse 47, Peter asked, can anyone object to their being baptized? They're all still scratching their head going, how in the world? They, they clearly accepted God now. Hey, Jesus has sent us here in this whole crazy thing. The next step is they need to get baptized. So he gave orders, verse 48, for them to be baptized in the name of Jesus. Next verse, next chapter. Soon the news reached the apostles and the other believers that the, even the Gentiles had received the word of God. And when Peter came back, they started criticizing him. And the, here's what they said, verse 3. You entered in the home of Gentiles and even ate with them? So Peter told them exactly what had happened. 
See, even those church people back then, just right fresh off of Jesus being there, they still had difficulty going, no, 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 you can't do this. And then they're judging. We have those same things. But can I take you back to that scripture? It says, God is not judging anybody. He's not excluding anybody. He is here for all of us. So let me ask you this question as I close. Where do you find yourself today? Are you one of those people like we saw with Cornelius that you're just praying to God and just hoping everything works out? Maybe even giving to God and the poor and, you know, you're paying some tithes here and there and you're just doing all the right things that you know you're supposed to be doing, but you haven't made that initial step to follow God. Can I tell you today is the best day? Because today can be your day. We're about to follow in the obedience of baptism for a couple of people, but you can make that next step for you and make that decision today. You can say, I have decided today. Will you bow your heads and close your eyes with me? I mentioned it earlier that this part of making a decision to say, I'm deciding today. Today's the best day for me because today is my day. This is private. This is between you and God. And really, you can say anything that is in your heart, but I'm just going to help you with some words if you so choose to do it. If today's your day that you want to accept Christ or come back to Christ, it's very simple. I'm just going to help you with these words. Pray this just between you and God. Mean it. Say, Jesus, today is my day. I invite you into my life. I ask you to forgive me. I come just as I am. I surrender it all to you. And I choose to follow you. From today forward, in the best way I know how, I'm going to live for you with all my heart. Today, give you my life. Father, I pray for everyone who prayed that prayer that's in this room with us this morning, that's watching online, that's watching the podcast, that's watching the video after the fact. Lord, all the different ways that somebody, Lord, I pray if they've prayed that prayer today for the first time or the next time, you are doing something amazing inside of them. Lord, now as we prepare to take the next step in obedience of baptism and making a public declaration of our faith, Lord, I pray that many others are going to take this as their initiative. And we're going to have many people signed up. And next month, we'll do it again. Father, I give you all the glory, all the honor. It's all because of you that we do this. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.